episode 964 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Monday, August 2nd. I almost said Tuesday, but we switched our schedule and we didn't tell you guys. But I'm your host, Paul Spore, and I'm joined this afternoon by Justin Mason. Justin, got a new schedule. Yeah, yeah. My wife has officially gone back to work, which means uh, I am now responsible for not only my own work, but the kids on top of it. So we had to move things around a little bit to accommodate that. No problem. I got to be honest. Um, Monday's not not a bad day to do it coming off of fab. And then particularly this fab, you know, one of the biggest, craziest ones ever, uh, even more so. So it's fine by me. I think it totally works, and um, you know, so that's where we're going for forward with the schedule. You and I will be Monday, Friday, and then I'll have one in in the middle of the week on Wednesday, either by myself with a guest. Who knows? That's how we're going to finish up the season. So uh, let's dive into it because we got tons to talk about. We're going to start with news, then we're going to get into free agent pickup stuff. Um, put some stuff in focus today with regards to closers because obviously the trade deadline did a number on the closer pool. And I know you got into some of it yesterday when you were reviewing the the trades, but but we're going to dive a bit deeper. But let's start with the news and the very bad news that Tatis, Fernando Tatis Jr. has once again hurt that shoulder. And, you know, it's like we know that this is going to be a recurring thing, but it doesn't make it any easier every time it happens. Mm-hmm. At least that's how I feel about it when, when it when it comes to pass. So it's left shoulder inflammation. Um, wow. I, I swear I didn't even see this before what I just said, but I just pulled up the Roto or the NBC Sports Edge blurb and it says, just because this isn't a, isn't a surprise doesn't make it any less disappointing, which is exactly what I'm trying to convey. And I think that's, that's where I'm at because it still sucks. And whether you have them on your fantasy team or not, this is one of the most fun players to watch in the league. It kind of is compounded by the by the otherwise kind of a dud deadline that the Padres had by having Max and then losing Max and then not countering that. So with regards to Tatis specifically, obviously we know there's nothing actionable. Do you have any read on, on how long you think this is going to be or is it just going to be you know what we, what we keep dealing with? We think it's going to be the end of the road and then it ends up being better than it, than it is but still going to miss some time. This feels worse than it has before um by the talk of you know what they've said right yeah i mean it sounds like he's not really going to do a whole lot over the next 10 days which is different than previous times um so this, this has the feeling like it could end up being like the end of the road for tutty's season which would be a, a, a super i mean you obviously there's nothing actual you can do here of course, of course right. not. I mean, except obviously you're benching him, but yeah. you were you were doing that no matter. Yeah, well, we're going to talk about who it's actionable for here in a moment. Um, I saw what, what you probably saw was like, if he doesn't get better within those 10 days, then the surgery becomes a really, a really strong potential. Yeah, yeah, I think that. And it seems like he needs and, this. And they also some... said like that he's not really going to do a whole lot during the 10 days. Um, so they're just going to hope it kind of It's not like last time where better. it's like, oh, he was still doing baseball activities. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, it's bad. Um, and it's it's bad for San Diego. And, you know, the Reds are still creeping. And if they start to get a little 
something going with some of those bullpen pieces where they can find a little bit of reliability and then Michael Lorenzen's back and you know what if uh what if TJ Antone actually comes back they're four games back the Padres could fall out of the playoffs at this point I think it's not necessarily likely but a but a much higher probability than we would have said if we did a pod last Monday just based on where they were right we were thinking well it's going to be the two NL West teams whichever two you know if the Dodgers pass the Giants or if the Padres pass the Giants then those other two are going to take the wild cards I don't think it's so certain anymore I would kind of put their chances if Tatis is out for the rest of the year I'd put their chances closer to like 50 50 percent hmm I mean yeah I mean if Tatis is out I guess because I have concerns about them beyond Tatis yeah Do do you not um I mean, I've definitely, I mean. They needed Max, right? They weren't just trying to get Max. They needed Max. Yeah, I, I think they they needed at least another starter. Yeah, um, yeah. It didn't necessarily have to be one of the doesn't, you know, five best. It didn't need best. to be Max, but like but I know. How did they not get Barrios? Yeah. You know, I, I thought Barrios they were, I was, thought the right, was the right player for them. It would have been a great counter. I know they would have had to pay up, which was part of the problem with Max. They were, they were the rumor was that. They balked on giving Compensano or Hassel as the as the go to piece, and yeah, I guess they given up Compensano. I mean, I, I probably would have. Easy for us to say, but you know, we, we are in agreement that we would have done that. And obviously, they didn't want to do the bigger deal with with Trey A because they don't really need him, and B because then they probably would have had to give up both. Mm-hmm. You know, or, or else at least Camisano and... And then what do you do know. with Trey long-term anyways? I it, mean, exactly, it's just, beyond this year. I think like they just needed Max and or or just another starter. Uh, yes. So I, I don't know why. I don't know why they didn't pony up for it, but maybe, you know, they're, maybe they're just going, hey, this isn't, this isn't the year for us. We're, you know... If we make the playoffs, great, but we're really looking at next year. Clevenger is going to be back. Uh, Lamette. Lamette should be hopefully healthy if he doesn't need another Tommy John. Uh, Orion will be back midseason. Mm-hmm. You know, Paddock's out now, and he's obviously not even great, but they need him. Maybe I McKenzie mean, they got... Gore is going to be ready to go by then uh, if yeah. he figures out the yips. But As I was going to say, he's, he's going the way of Forrest Whitley right now, it though. It seemed like they were going to be... Uh, really aggressive considering they, they went on and got Adam Frazier, kind of like the first mm-hmm. like real spark of the uh, trade deadline. Uh, and I, I felt like, oh, this is a team that was going to be really aggressive and they just weren't. Yeah, so, I thought so too. I thought so too. I think so, they can weather this for a playoff spot. Uh, if yeah, they they're not out. To. I'm just saying, if, if he's out, I think they're they're in doubt. But I wouldn't even say that they're guaranteed because I still don't trust the Reds' bullpen. Yeah. And yeah. that's that's the closest. The team Reds to didn't them. do anything either. I mean the Reds like the Well Red... they added they added volume to their bullpen. But like they could have gone out and like what happened to Trevor's story? Like the Reds would have been a perfect fit for Trevor's story. Of course, of course he would have been. He would have been a perfect fit for a few other teams too. Um Colorado's stupid. Oh, okay. I and, and you know, that, I neglected to remember that they're dumb. Yeah, the the notion because here's here's the thing too, they gave away the game. Mm-hmm. They made it clear that they're not keeping him because they said that the compensation pick is better than what they were being offered. And listen, I'm always the first to say when when 
when we as fans and analysts go out and say, well, why didn't you get something better? Like, shut up, because it's not like they sit on their hands and do nothing and they don't go try to get their best offer. And so I'm usually pushing back on that notion. Not in this case. Mm-hmm. Not in this case. In this instance, I don't trust Colorado enough to have done their due diligence to where I do think that they had something out there that had to be better than what a comp round pick would be. In this seller's market, Justin? I'm, are you kidding me? I'm sorry, but considering the amount of money they ate on Arenado, you can't tell me Jesus Lazardo isn't better than a comp pick. Bingo. And wouldn't the A's and, and rather have had Trevor Story? It's a better fit. Then, I mean, I love Starling Marte. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. And we're going to talk about him actually right after this. So but great, uh, great early segue. But would yeah. the A's rather have had a shortstop? On uh, that, I think so. Like Trevor Story? I, I think they could have figured out outfield easier than, than keeping Andrus. Yeah. You know, uh, I was going to say corpse, but that's a little morbid. But Andrus but, you know, like keep... goes to being the, you know, super utility dude. And and then they've got just an amazing shorts. Like, I'm sorry, the, the Rockies are fucking lying if they're saying that the, that, that, the, the pick is better like than I agree. what and they I, would I have been given disgusting. on the open market. Like, just I, I, this is not true. They're, they're such they're such liars. Like, they're so full of crap. It's unbelievable. Because it's not like um, they've been good at evaluating talent. Like, like exactly. this is like, I mean, it's like, you know, the, for some teams, maybe that comp pick would have been good because they're really good at drafting, really good at evaluating I, talent. Yep. And the Rockies are not good at that. They haven't been good at that for a very long time. Yeah, we talked about that on my stream. I said, because now you have to trust them to make a good pick, which we definitely don't do. Mm-hmm. So it's like, even if it were, yeah, you're right. Like, you know, if Houston or, or Tampa Bay or the Dodgers or any, you know, a good handful of teams, if they were saying that, you're like, okay, well, they might they might get a damn good pick. Um, we don't trust the Rockies to do that in any way, shape, or form. And it they just blundered it so badly. Uh, but let me bring it back quickly to the Padres here and Haseon Kim, who's going to fill in. Um, you know, there was a lot of excitement for him coming into the year, and I think Me we too. were part of that. <laughs> yeah, we, we loved him. And um, he has not transitioned to the degree that we were hoping slash expecting. Um, but, he, you know, he still has six homers, five steals in his 230 plate appearances. Um, but it's a 216, 275, 370 slash line. Hasn't really had that much consistent playing time either, though. Bottom line, the bottom line I want to get to is I'm not giving up on him. And I I, I remain curious every time there's something of an opening for him. I still go back to looking at Kim like I could see myself picking him up. I could still see him getting it together a bit. And to that end, you know, he had a big game yesterday. And, you know, it's, it's one game. You don't want to go too far with it. But. Maybe this spurs a little something for him. And if he can fill in at an adequate level, then maybe they don't even miss Tatis that much while he's gone, assuming he can come back in a couple weeks. So where are you currently at on Young Kim four months into a season that, uh, that where we thought he was going to be, you know, a game changer? And we were we were definitely wrong on that. Um, I mean, one of the things I kind of said uh, when he was struggling in uh, in spring training uh, was that this feels like a guy who is probably going to be like a second half hero mm-hmm. that uh, he he's going to struggle out the gate and lose playing time. He, and I even thought he might get sent down to the minor leagues. Yeah. Um, and then in the second half, you know, figures things out. He's just too good of a player. Uh, and to that point, I mean, he's currently hitting 
667-667-2000 in the month of August. I hate you so much. <laughs> in the second half, he's hitting 280, uh, 321, 520. You could have at least used, yeah, no. have at least used it second half. It would have been way more fun to use the August OPS, and I could have been like, okay, you know, it's a little something in his 25 at-bats, but you went with the August split, which is the one game where he had a home run. Well played, well yeah, played. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I would definitely consider picking him up in a league where you're trying to replace Tatis because I can't imagine that there's much more upside on the wire. Cause like I said, he mm-hmm. does have six homers, five steals. So there are still some counting categories there. You know, if you are in a position where your average has been strong and you can take on a potential dud average, I mean, he basically, you know, he's basically playing to like a, a 15, 12 type of season mm-hmm. um, for, for the full season there. So there could be a little couple homers, and couple you- steals for him. Kim. If you watch Kim at the plate over the last few uh, last few weeks, he's really starting to look more comfortable. Correct, uh, especially with high velocity, which is something he really struggled with. Was it you who put you put that in the yeah in the write-up? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So go go speak on that quickly because that that I I like that. I mean, he just you could tell he just had a hard time catching up to pitches. Um, and then had a really hard time a little bit distinguishing kind of some of the breaking stuff out of pitcher's hands. And so he was just looking foolish at the plate. But, I mean, he was really struggling with high velocity um, because they just don't see that in in, in the KBO. I mean, and certainly just, not as consistent. No, you don't have and, guys and, pumping 100, 102 at you. And uh, that uh, that homer yesterday was 97 yep. at, in the upper third of the zone, above the zone, I think, even. Yeah, shout, shout out to uh, Cespedes family bar- barbecue for the gift. Um, yeah. And, I mean, he he's just a really, really good athlete. Uh, yeah, I, I still really like Kim. Like, I, I, I'm i going to be drafting him next year because he's going to be he's going to cost us nothing. Yep. So I know both of us will be going back to the well on that. Absolutely. He's, he's only 25. He's going to be 26 next year. Uh, you know, He I better mean, not Garrett Hampson us, though, and have a brilliant – Oh, he, he totally could. That he we could then totally to do that. <laughs> 15, 15 stolen bases in the last two months of the season, oh and God. all of a sudden... Uh, all of a sudden, he's a top 200 pick again, and I'm like, come on. Oh, no, he'll be like a top 130 pick. And then... I mean, that's true. If it's 15 steals in the last two months, he'll... He... What'd you say? Top what? Yeah, he'd be top like 130. Oh, I thought you said 30. I was like, okay, oh, he'll no, be no. 20. No, no, no. Yeah, he'll be... I agree. I agree. I was going to say top 150 at least if he pops off in the second half. But Haseon Kim, we're not giving up on him. And I would probably go to the wire to get him to replace Tatis um, if, if you're still looking to do that and he's still available. Obviously, you should have something for this week. But if you do daily moves, things like that, I like getting Kim. You mentioned Marte. And the big question with him when he got traded was, well, is he going to run? And I, I don't love just using a team's stolen base totals to – to give an indication of, of what might happen because I don't think it tells the whole story. And, you know, th- there was a tweet out there from our friend Alex Fast, and I'm not, I'm not calling him out. I'm not trying to call, call him out. Him out. Call no, Alex no, I just, out. <laughs> I just responded to him, and I just said, hey, I, I see what you're seeing as well, but my, my pushback would be because Oakland, uh, for context, they ranked like 18th in steals 14th, with yeah. like 40-something. Well, they're 14th now, I'm saying, where, where they were when, when they got Marte. Um, and it was like with 40 something steals and the Marlins had, they were second with 70 something. I said, well, the the only issue there is who would Oakland really be sending on the base pads? 
Andrus can't get on base to steal, and Laureano has the shin splints issue that kind of makes him steal in waves. Beyond that, Mark Canha throws in a few, and then and then who else? Nobody. So I kind of felt like they might just let him do his thing, and he can be their base stealer. And then he easily pops off, or quickly pops off four stolen bases as an A so far, including three yesterday. So I know it's one game, the the, the three in one game, but but even before that, I really wasn't concerned that uh, Starling Marte was going to lose his steals. I said I would maybe take a couple off of the 12 projection and maybe make him like an 8 to 10. And now with four already, I don't even think I would do that. I think he can get another 10 from here forward. And here's the difficulty about looking at team stolen bases and then quoting where they ranked is that doesn't give you enough context. Because, like, for instance, like we're talking about, they're, they're 14th right now in team stolen bases, tied for 13th with Toronto. Mm. If you add 10 to there and give them 58, they would be tied at 8th. If you took away 10, they would be, you know, uh, they'd be 22nd. Like, See, like that's a cluster, huge kind of like jump. a fantasy. Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. when we talk about team stolen bases, we have to, like, give the context of, okay, how many stolen bases more or less is that than the rest of, like, the competition? Because, like, San Diego is far and away stealing more bases than everybody else. Miami, you know, another team stealing a lot of bases. But then there's a huge cluster from, like, three to about 24. Yeah, it's, you know? it's really tight. It, it, it does remind me of a fantasy league, which, of course, you know, obviously we're getting our steals from those teams. So it makes sense that it would it would disperse like that. But that's really interesting. I agree. You have to account for the personnel, too. Mm-hmm, um, absolutely. So basically what what you're saying, what you're the point you're kind of driving home is Alex Fast is a stupid idiot. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So dumb. Okay. I mean, he's, he thought <laughs> Caleb Smith was going to be good. <laughs> Oh, no, you hit him with a Caleb Smith jab. We should have called him in the middle of this. Yeah, we should have been like, hey, where's those Starling Marte steals now, idiot? And then just hung up on him. Don't even let him get a response. (laughs) Um, We could have also asked him who these players are if we called Alex Fast because maybe he would know. Because Rafael Ortega hit three home runs and Yadiel Hernandez had four hits with two home runs. And they did it in the same game. That's why I'm pairing the two. Rafael Ortega is a 30-year-old outfielder for the Cubs, and Yadiel Hernandez is a 34-year-old outfielder for the Nats. And I guess my main question is, um, did were you interested in them in Fab, uh, and or did this uh, big game from them push you off because the, it really pushed their prices up? So start with Ortega leading off for the Cubs, 30-year-old actually doing really well in AAA. So he was kind of intriguing even before the three homers, but I was worried that the uh, that the price tag would shoot up based on a three-homer game. So where do you stand on Rafael Ortega? Uh, Ortega was a guy that I actually had in my bids this week. Uh, didn't get him anywhere and didn't realize why I didn't get him anymore because I didn't see what happened last night's game. Oh, yeah, game. there you go. Okay, and if I was you didn't all... see that, then you didn't add, yeah. up, add a few bucks. No, I didn't add any bucks. We were doing my family's Olympics yesterday. Uh, oh, that's awesome. Which you can you can see uh, bits and pieces of on, on my Twitter. Uh, I will you, be absolutely looking at that right after this pod. Um, uh, just 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 so people know, not not suitable for work. Some of those pictures. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm wearing a very skimpy bathing suit. Um, yes, you are. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, Ortega was a guy that I was kind of interested because in, he was playing quite a bit, and then with the jettison of players out of Chicago, I was like, Oh my god, yeah. Well, he's got to be playing every day now um and so Long. yeah 
That, I, I did not realize he was going to be leading off, but I mean, you got to think with Rizzo gone, Bryant gone, uh, Baez gone. Like, yeah, there's there's going to be plenty of room for some guys you've never heard of to get mm-hmm. some serious play uh, playing time. And this is one of those things you have to do kind of after the trade deadline is not just go like, okay, well, you know, who who's the next closer? We're going to talk about that you know, here in a little bit, but mm-hmm. also talk about like, okay, who's going to be in line for more playing time moving forward? Because you're going to see guys like, you know, Patrick Wisdom and David Bodie and Matt Duffy getting a lot more playing time as well as Ortega. Uh, That's Sergio kind of my favorite Alcantara, part. That's kind of my favorite well. part of the deadline is assessing that uh, th- that playing time potential mm-hmm. for players because um, it can really it, it can really uncover some gems. You know who and else is on Chicago that we should talk about? Who's that? Jones Highway. Jones Highway. That's right. They did. They did in- improve their infrastructure by getting a Jones Highway. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they had a great deadline. I didn't even realize it was even better because they got Jones Highway, who is in all formats play. And pretty much, even if you don't have $0 bids, put everything on him. I'm in my first draft of 2022. And if you don't you think sicko. I'm taking Jones Highway... Uh, in, in that draft, people need to know we're kidding, though. Just, yes, we're just absolutely so kidding. Goes out Please do not go get messes around Jones Highway Jones Highway, <laughs> but he might actually play. And I will say this, uh, not not jokingly, NL only, and you need some speed. If he starts playing, that is the the one thing that he does. Now he mm-hmm. is still in the rotation at this point. He's not really getting. Uh, yeah, he's full like burn. short side platoon, probably. Exactly, because they still have Hayward. Um, so he kind of eats up right field, and it's Happ and Ortega, and I think they want to obviously give both those guys pretty pretty free reign over it. Um, even though Ortega's thirty, he's playing well, so they're going to let him kind of kind of do his thing. So you know, the the only downside on or the only downside on Ortega so far is he does have four steals but nine tries, <laughs> so he's not super keen on what he's doing on the bases, but he's going. So hey, unless your league is net steals, you don't care. And I don't play any net steals leagues, so just just keep running, Raphael. I I, I support you. Uh, what about Yadiel Hernandez? Now, he's not a young guy. He's not uh, somebody on the come up. Like Ortega is a young buck compared to him. Yadiel Hernandez is 34 years old, uh, but he can hit. And I remember I think there was a couple bouts of quality earlier this year where he was hitting as as a fill in, but nobody really thought like, oh, he's gonna he's gonna take over here. Well, now, again, talking about jettisoning some players and opening up some positions, he could play the rest of the year in left field. And he had a huge day on Sunday, four hits, two homers. He was trying to match Ortega hit for hit there. What do we think about Yadiel Hernandez? Uh, he's kind of hit at every level. Um, I know in his brief sample in, in 2020, uh, and we don't have any minor leagues, obviously, from 2020 as well, he struggled. Uh, and he's just been, I think he's like a quad A type player. Yeah, uh, that is probably too good for AAA, but is never going to quite mash at the major league level. That being said, uh, the it's Nationals, months, though, yeah, the Nationals are uh, are running out of Quad A team. <laughs> That's absolutely correct. <laughs> so a Quad A player fits that perfectly, and he's batting in the middle of the order. And I, I, you just said that it's not a very good order, but it's still the middle of the order, and the two guys that you're most likely to be able to drive in are the two guys that bat right in front of him, Soto and Bell. So he could sneak his way, Yadiel Hernandez could, into some sneaky uh, RBI production there if he continues to hit 
anywhere near the 118 WRC clip that we've seen so far in 109 plate appearances. So I found him kind of intriguing. Uh, I didn't get him. He was he was a conditional for me, so I got guys that were ahead of him. But I, I was interested, um, and he's actually still available in a couple of my other leagues. So we'll see how he does this week, and he could end up being somebody to take a look at again this next Sunday for Yadiel Hernandez. Yeah, I, I, I think he's... Uh... Um, a very interesting play in, in like your 15 team leagues, uh, mm-hmm. and maybe even some 12s if you're, uh, I mean, if, if you're just decimated by injuries. Yeah, because he looks like he is going to play for the foreseeable future here. Guess who's back? Back again. Eduardo, Eduardo, Edward Olivares is back. <laughs> Tell a friend. Um, My boy. I think it's his 412th call up. And I'm... Oh, he's already said, been set back down. <laughs> No, I have to check though. Are you, you no, are kidding? I'm, I'm because kidding. It, it, yeah. it happens that quickly. It it, um, it happened in like a, he he got sent, uh, he got brought up, demoted, sent back down, and then brought back up all within a week earlier this season. So it's nauseating. Been, the solar move. He, the freaking flyer miles he has. He's oh, been getting I mean, though. he's got to be. Well, that's Omaha though, so he might just be driving. Oh. Yeah, they know. might be making him drive, you know, or it's, it's Wichita, I think. But either way, it's it's right there in the Midwest. So they might be making him drive. I hope he's getting on those. I hope he talked to Colette to figure out which which is the best yeah. program to sign up for to get the, to get the miles. But um, is this the time, though? Are they going to keep him up with Solaire gone? Does our boy finally get an opportunity? And, and you were the first one to really prop him up. But I jumped on that bandwagon as well. And I've been I don't I don't have I didn't get him this time. Uh, unfortunately, so this is the time he'll probably pop off. But is it finally time that the playing time will actually be there? I think so. I think they're. I mean, this is a time where they should try to figure out uh, what he's going to kind of be and whether he's going to be part of this next kind of good Royals team uh, that is, you know, that was a dark horse for a lot of people in the yeah. industry. Uh, coming, they started the off well mm-hmm. in April, and it looked like, hey, whoever called dark horse there. They're a genius. I only say that because I was one of the people who yeah. said it. I did um, not, and I was and feeling were, pretty dumb. That, well, yeah, because they were like fifteen and eight, and like, okay, this young, this young core with the veteran, with the veteran, uh, or, or the the veteran core with the young players mixing around them, they got something here. And then they've just been like the worst team in baseball since May first. Um, the way it currently lines up is Benintendi, Michael A. Taylor, Gerard Dyson with Oliveris on a short side platoon, but he did start against a righty yesterday. I believe he hit a home run. He should not be no, he's not platoon, platoon with, with Dyson. Yeah, no, Dyson, come on. I mean... I'm just going off roster resource. I know, I, I know, and I'm looking Jason's at roster resource in, too, but, but like, Gerard no Dyson's shot. 37 years old, and, I mean, yeah. has been a off-the-bench type of player pretty much his entire career, so... Uh, I, I think it's a bad hitter. Yeah, I think Olivares should have a real shot to get everyday playing time. And I want to give a shout out to someone too because I, uh, Christopher Welsh from ITL was was the guy who put me on Olivares when he was in the minor leagues. So there you go. Uh, shout out boy, to boy Chris. Uh, but yeah, I mean Olivares is power. He's got speed. Um, I think that he he's got a good enough hit tool that I think those things can show through. If given the playing time, uh, mm-hmm. the question is, will he get the playing time? I think he will. I, I do. I think like. he's got to, man. I think he's got to. And if not, then they're really botching it. Because, mm-hmm. again, 37-year-old Draw Dyson, who's never been a full-time starter, should not be forcing him out of time. And frankly, 
I don't even think that 30-year-old Michael A. Taylor should be. No. Those two can platoon, okay? You know, give 25-year-old Edward Olivares, who continues to rake um, at AAA every time he gets sent back. He has 13 homers, 12 steals, 322, 395, 572, triple slash. It is Omaha, by the way. Um, he's been awesome. So give him the burn here. Let's see what we've got with Olivares. Uh, I'm really excited. It's going to be a is- really exciting outfield. Uh, if Olivares can show something, an Olivares, Benatendi, Kyle Isbell outfield oh, yeah. Speedy. Uh, is going to be fun. Um, Very fast. Yeah. And so I, I think, you know, and then you, and then you, they bring up, you know, likely bring up Wit uh, at some point next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mondesi comes back uh, for a day or two. Well, uh, at wait, second you're base. on a uh, you're on another great <laughs> I, segue here. I, I'm just a professional. You really are, because I even moved it in the in the rundown because it made obviously more sense to talk about it now. Did you see the story about I did Mondesi I... and the concerns being expressed by Dayton Moore that like this might be a 100 game type of guy? Um, a 100 game Mondesi is still a pretty darn good fantasy player. I I, I agree. Um, it's a maddening one mm-hmm. and one that you really have to plan for. You almost have to go in with a just a playing time focus that you, like an aggressive one. Obviously, we're always focusing on playing time. You should always be wanting to get playing time, but you need to like super focus on it. And you actually kind of have to draft maybe draft roles over skills a little bit because you want the guys who are playing so that you can not have to like because he's almost a perma stash right because once you draft Montesi you never want to cut him you can't cut him he's too big of a difference maker in short stints to to not but like where do you think he goes next year in drafts I want to ask you that I don't want to do the hard stuff Uh, okay fine no you're that's fair it's fair I always make you answer the hard questions I think he's I mean he's I think he's gonna have the widest range of draft spots I agree my prediction the tough part is, and it's not even a cop-out, I think it, it absolutely is tough, is we have to see what happens the rest of this year. But let's assume that he comes back in the middle of this month and makes it to the finish line. Um, so the health piece. I'm not even worried about the performance at that point. He plays a month and a half to finish. I think he's still a top five-round guy. Yeah, I think he is too. And I, um, I think I would be the- among the people who would do that. And I think I might be too. <laughs> uh, I mean, here, here's the thing: like, uh, shortstop is super deep. It's just so deep. True. Um, and so, like, you know, if like, let's play quick. Would you rather? Um, okay. Would you for 2022? I mean, for for 2022? Because I'm in this draft right now, um, and when it gets back to me, I'm likely if Bobichet's still there, I'm probably gonna take Bobichet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, we could probably cross off Bichette, Turner. Um, Simeon, right? Yes. Or Simeon, Simeon's not going to have shortstop, right? He's going to be second base. Oh, yeah. Well, no, wasn't Bo out for a while? Hmm. I'm checking right now on Simeon. Okay, Simeon's you check on time. Simeon. Uh, either way, we're crossing him off. Um, it's though, 12 games, so no, he, he would have he, to get yeah, he's eight not, more. Yeah. Uh, now, he will, now in, in your Yahoo leagues, that, that'll still have eligibility. Yes. Um, uh, here's, you know, would you rather have... Uh, Carlos Correa or Alberto Mondesi? I'd rather have Detroit Tiger Carlos Correa. <laughs> He's not going to be a Detroit Tiger. <laughs> Why funny. do you dismiss that? Um, oh, oh, Vlad just went monster shot. 
Oh, I'm I'm a few seconds behind you, so I actually. I'm sorry. I didn't no, mean, no, I didn't no, mean no. to spoil. It's 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 all right. He's uh, it's a one-two pitch right now. Um, but uh, okay. Would you rather have uh, Mondesi or Willie Adamas? Oh man! Oh my God, that was a monster shot. Yeah, I mean, crush that. They 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 just hit him with the uh, television jinx. Eli Morgan. They showed uh how he has. You know, um, he's amazing first time through, and then the batting average goes up to 414 second time through. And here we go. He's getting he's getting hammered second time through with a uh, base hit home run right right away. Um, I'm a, I'm a big Adamas guy, and I think because he'd be cheaper, I would take Adamas. Like he's not going to have the same sort of steal upside at all. Obviously, he's kind of like a an eight to ten full season type of guy. Um, I, I do think a full year in Milwaukee will. We'll get. Oh my God! And then Semyon. I'm sorry, I spoiled it again, but I, it was just a natural reaction. Oh, never mind. He got. I should have left it. I should. I should have oh. said that. But it gets. It gets caught at the track there. It looked like it was way gone. Sorry to derail the combo there. But Adamus, uh, I would take Adamus because he'll be a little bit cheaper, and um, I, I think like I think he's so good now that he's out of the trap. I believe fully in what he's doing with Milwaukee. All right. What about Mondesi or all or struggling this year? Francisco Lindor. Now that one, I might actually go Mondesi. The upside is so, so huge on him. I know. So and we I, had I, the struggles from Lindor, and now the injury. Like Lindor is going to be one of those guys that is a really, really big bounce back candidate. I think. Anyway, I think I'm going um, Lindor. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I think that's totally fair to go to go Lindor. Um, just kind of, he doesn't have the same sort of grave concerns uh, as Mondesi. So like I I get that. And and if they are talking about really managing his workload, then I think I think you need to go Lindor still. So I'd go Lindor there. What, what about Story? What? Oh, sto- oh, sorry. You, you say got one Story? Yeah. Oh, I'm taking Story. I don't care where he is. This. Okay, I don't either. Um. All right, I, I got three more actually, real quick, just real quick. Okay. Um, uh, one is uh, Mondesi or next year Detroit Tiger Brandon Crawford. You, you're a bad person. Like you, you're <laughs> you not, signed you just, him to like a four year deal. You just, you just not a good human I, being. Okay? All right, for seriously, uh, uh, Mondesi or Dansby Swanson. Ooh, your boy, and I put that one in quotes because remember you used to have yeah, yeah. real beef with him. He's 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 coming on on again, by the way. But they've also dropped him. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they they kind of had to though. He was really struck. I mean, he's in a he's in the midst of a huge surge, and he's still only at a seven seventy two OPS. So, um, I think I go Mondesi there. Yeah, I, I think I the do. transcendent speed is um, just Chris Taylor. I'm going to take Taylor because he's going to be so much cheaper because it doesn't like you can he say, like, oh, be, though. I, I was going to say he shouldn't be, but he will be because another all-star season and people are going to worry about his playing time and they're going to find 500 plate appearances for him at a minimum. I, I, yeah. Oh, actually, there's your new Detroit Tiger, Chris Taylor. <laughs> because he's I mean, one of the things I did, you know, to kind of, you know, kind of, I, I haven't done my full ranks for next season and I'm in this draft, but one of the things I did was I, I just ran through what people have done this year through the Fangraphs au- auction calculator. 
Chris mm-hmm. Taylor is the number four middle infielder. I believe it. I believe it. 17 and 10, 285 average, uh, NL best, 78 runs. He, he places right between ribs. Marcus Simeon and Jose Altuve. That's, I mean, that's incredible. And like, you would think that maybe he will go higher next year because yes. he's going to have second outfield short and he's going to be signed somewhere where, that, where you would think he plays every day off rip. And, and there's no questions about playing time. I mean, he'll still be going probably cheaper than he should. Agreed. And I'll, I'll be there to buy. And yeah. that's why I will, I will still take him over Mondesi because I still think we'll get that discount on Taylor um, because he just doesn't get the recognition he deserves. Yeah, I mean, he he's just, he's been absolutely insane this year. He's the number two second baseman, I believe, this year. What a stud. Just, what an absolute stud. Uh, was that your last one, or was there one? That more? was my last one. It just okay. I just wanted to talk about how amazing so, yeah, Chris I mean, Taylor's been. Th- yeah, there is some there is some question marks there. If they're going to be trying to manage him, I think they would do more than 100 games, but they might see Mondesi as like a max 130 guy. Now, you know what that reminds me of is um, Pete Eric Davis. Mm. Okay. And he was, you know, I obviously fantasy wasn't as prevalent back in the late eighties, early nineties, but for those, I wasn't as prevalent back in the late eighties, early nineties. True. True. But, uh, he was a God. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, if you're doing retro drafts or whatever, like go look at his stats and he managed to be an absolute God in 130 type games, um, for those, for those like five, six years where that's all he could play. And I think Mondesi can do that. Maybe not as much power, but definitely as much speed, if not more. Um, although he'll never reach 80 steals the way uh, Eric Davis did in, in 1986. Though. I was just about to say, because it was a different game. Don't think that Mondesi couldn't steal 80 if he was transplanted back into the 80s. Um, anyway, moving on. Drake Fraley Drake is going to be activated. He had, a, he had a hell of a COVID bout. So yeah, I, I got to ask, because it was such a long one there where I guess he was clearly dealing with stuff. Are you you have concerns about him rest of the season because he was kind of a waiver wires superstar breakout this year, um, and I was kind of expecting him to be you know a, an all formats type of guy the rest of the way, and then he gets hit with this bout here that has cost him I think damn near a month. He last played on um oh wait what and, oh no I clicked the wrong guy I was, I, I was on Dylan on the eleven yeah yeah but I was like Dylan Moore. And it was obviously he played all July. I was like, am I in the matrix? What happened? But yeah, so it, it was cost almost a month, about three weeks there. So I, you know, maybe a little concern, but hopefully he's past it and everything. I still really like him. Do you like Jake Fraley to kind of pick up where he left off? Uh, I, I kind of do as long as he's healthy. The question is, you know, everybody kind of reacts differently to getting COVID. Um, we saw guys, you know, we saw Austin Meadows, right? Really, you know, never get right. Moncada. Uh, Moncada, uh, you know. But we also saw Freeman say it was devastating for him, and then he went and out. Then, and then he and went, went out and just matched. So, I mean, it's so yeah. hard to tell. So, I mean, I think you have to operate with the hope that he's fine. Um, Ed can kind of get back to doing what he's doing, uh, which was being a guy with power and speed and walking an absolute ton. Oh, my God. Like... 22.1% walk rate this year. He is the automatic stri- uh, umpire zone. Like He's the mm-hmm. automatic strike zone. If he doesn't swing at it, you can't call it. Yeah. Like he, he's, he's on I'm that I'm pretty sure that's right how now. umpires act with him. They just say, oh, they, they he didn't should. swing. It's a ball. Yeah, it's like, 
but it was right down the middle. Yeah, but he didn't swing. No, he Have didn't you seen swing his walk rate? Right? No. We we could we couldn't call a it on him. Fifteen percent O swing this year. Yeah, Fra- Fraley's been incredible. Um, so you putting him back in your lineup this week then? If I had him, I would. I do not have him anywhere. I, I have him multiple spots, and I am indeed putting him back in. So uh, that's Jake Fraley update. Miles Michael is going to make his third rehab on Tuesday. Does he have any interest, or do you have any interest in him? Would you be specking anywhere to to maybe jump on this uh, this weekend? Obviously, Tuesday will kind of determine you know wh- where people are at. But let's just say it's a solid outing. It's not something off the charts where he throws you know 95 and strikes out seven guys, and everyone's talking about him. But he just kind of has another solid outing, which is what he's been doing so far in, in the minors. Is Miles Michaelis somebody that you see as a uh, as a preemptive pickup? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Um, I, I tend to, like, if I'm going to be stashing a guy, I want them to have huge upside, he, he, which he does not. He absolutely does not. Um, yeah. That being said, uh, so far this year in the majors, he's got a 225 ERA. Yeah, like he was, he was good. And then, like I said, in this, this minor innings, rehab, but, you know. th- thus far, no, I, I just spent all of his innings so uh, far, though. Um, I, I, I was, just, I, I was just I doing another small sample. Yeah. yeah, you were doing another tiny sample. Yeah, he has a, a four, two twenty five ERA in four innings, but his nineteen and a third in the minors, two two thirty three. So he's, he's, you know, doing his thing, which is don't walk anybody, don't give up too many hits, but don't strike out anybody either. So Michaelis is looking kind of, you know, back. I think if you need pitching, you can do it because there's not too much else out there. You know, for all the the hubbub about this this uh, waiver period, and it was absolutely incredible. There wasn't a lot of starting pitching. It was mm-hmm. it was closers and hitters, as far as I was concerned. Yeah, I mean, my only concern about a guy like Michael is is in order for him to be effective for your fantasy team, he really needs to get uh, he needs to get innings. Um, yes, but and, I think that they'll give him innings, right? Well, in his first two or last two rehab starts he's gone three innings and four innings ah so they're still building him up okay yeah, I thought and those so were, i do I worry those were fuller starts no because remember he had like the the setback or whatever it that's was. right um and so yeah my my bit i'm probably waiting a little while i don't think that's i'm fair. stashing him i think no, no need to be preemptive with yeah. it then we'll see what he does on tuesday keep put him on your watch list at least so you're not you're the not hard uh, part is stunned. any any healthy arm right now has some sort of value in most. <laughs> That's why I wanted to bring him up. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Like we're saying we wouldn't stash him. Doesn't mean that your position isn't different where you're like, it's a live arm on a team that's going to pitch him. I need him. I can understand people kind of needing to stash Michaelis, but as a general idea, I would probably avoid it um, and, and play the wait and see game instead. And then the last one, small move here before we get into some of the closing stuff from this week, DJ Peters, uh, was was jettisoned by the Dodgers when uh, when they got Freeman or Freeman when they got uh, Max and Turner, um, and he latches on with Texas. Now he's kind of an all or nothing power guy, but he has 26 homers per 600 plate appearances in the minors. They're actually kind of starting to fill their outfield out there, and they haven't even called up Leone Tavares. But does DJ Peters do anything for you in in super deep formats, which you and I both play plenty of? Absolutely. Uh, I have been a DJ Peters uh, I thought truther. you liked him. Yeah, I wish I had gone with my gut there because I thought you were a guy, a, a Peters guy. I am. Uh, I've been a truther. I have him like in every dynasty league. Um, and uh, I've just been holding on. And like he could not have found a better spot than Texas uh, for, for him because they, I mean, he's like a, uh, a mini Gallo, a diet 
gallo, if you will. Yeah, thigh um, gallo is a good way to put it. And, uh, you know, he can walk a ton. Uh, you know, he's walked 10% of the time in AAA this year. In in 34 period appearances, walked almost 24% of the time in the majors this year. Strikes out a ton. You know, mm-hmm. 30% strikeout rates all throughout the minor leagues. Uh, but he's got a crap ton of power. Uh, not Joey Gallo power, but but still real man power. Uh, and I, I think he's one of those guys that, especially in your on-base percentage leagues, uh, he is worth uh, a gamble. But even in your average leagues, if you're a little bit deficient in power and, you know, you've got a good batting average already kind of built up, or if you're going to punt batting average rest of the way, uh, Peters is a guy that... Uh, if he can get some real playing time, like I could see him have like one of those, you know, like seven, eight homer months. <laughs> yeah, just a big home run spurt. I, I agree. And that's why I thought he was at least worth bringing up for our deep league brethren there, uh, because I don't think anybody, you know, I don't think Jason Martin uh, or Curtis Terry are necessarily blocking him off there. Curtis Terry he, is not a real player. Just stop I, I, it. I, I'm looking at it right now. Uh, and, you know, Jason got in trouble for making up players on roster resource when he put Tom Murphy as a catcher mm-hmm. on uh, Seattle. And so Dave talked to him and said, you the can't. The back do half that. of this lineup is just <laughs> full of, like, made up players. You Andy Abanez, Jonah Heim, yeah. Eli, Eli White, White, Curtis Terry, Curtis and Terry, Jason Martin. Jason Martin. This is, you have this simulated seasons of MLB yes. the show, and you're yeah. just. You're just coming up with names. It's 2038, and they just they just are combining. I mean, even if you get names. into like their pitching staff with Brett Martin and Dennis Santana and you know just, Drew Anderson. I, come on, um, yeah, just just totally. Made Joe up. Barlow. That mm-hmm. Barlow was the last name that was in the game because of Scott Barlow, and they just threw an extra yeah. uh, a generic first name on it. Yeah, this is this is definitely 2038. You're simming deep into your league here. Uh, Jonah Heim did have back-to-back walk-offs this weekend, though. So, yep. good. I, I roster him in DFS for one of them. Hey, I mean, he does have eight homers at catcher. So, yeah. I bet. He, I for bet some, some reason, he's always two thousand dollars on. On they, they, they refuse to move him. <laughs> I, I bet some folks have him on their two catcher leagues that are that are mega deep, AL only type deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but all right, let's do the closer thing because it's going to be a lot to unpack here. Let's start with. Putting the White Sox in focus and their situation here. Now, there were a lot of guys that were traded on the on deadline day that are not closers anymore, right? It, it was a bloodbath, and we thought, you know, if a few guys could get traded and they could still be closers, it could be good. We've talked ad nauseum about Rich Rod, um, but if there was one guy I told you was going to be traded, almost certainly, you would have said, well, he's going to be a closer, and that is Craig Kimbrell. And that was incorrect because he's on the White Sox. So I ask you, how do you see the split between Hendricks and Kimbrell? Because I think they don't want to run Hendricks into the ground, even though he would go out there literally every day. He's insane. He's one of the best personalities in the game, and I'm glad he's kind of having his his breakout personality year and people are are seeing the type of guy he is because he's really funny and engaging. Um, But he's kind of crazy where he's got that crazy closers mentality of like, I'll go out every single day. But at the same time, he was super geeked that they got Kimbrel. How do you think this breaks down? Um, I think it's going to be, I think it's be Hendrix. Um, Like, like, like a, like a 80, 20 type of deal. Yeah. So 70, okay. 30, 80, 20. 
Uh, Kimbrel has a vesting option in his contract uh, that states if he, I believe, uh, closes out or not uh, finishes finishes games, yeah. fifty three games between twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one. It automatically triggers, I think, a $16 million option. Now, we have to remember that he, even though he only saved uh, 23 games, or sorry, uh, two games in 2020, eh, he's probably not going to get there either way because he only saved two games. That's right. Um, is that not adjusted for 2020, though? It is, but, I mean, two games is probably what gets adjusted to six. He's not going to get to 50-something. That's fair. Uh, so I still think it's going to be Hendricks. I, I on like a 70 30 kind of split. Yeah, I was talking to some other friends, you know, and that, that, that are in NFBC stuff and everything. And, you know, they, they were talking like that it could be more of a more of a split. And I, I understood the case there. Just if anything, I think nothing to do with Hendricks negatively, of course, but to make sure that he's good to go for October when they need him. And. I feel like between the two, not the Kim, I don't. I'm not trying to shade Kimbrel. I don't want to like cast aspersions on him when he's never said anything to this notion. But I think between the two, Hendricks is the more open to being like, I'll be the two inning guy, seventh, eighth inning. Like I don't, I don't care. I, I just want to yeah, pitch. That's fair. And I'll pitch all the time. I, and I. So I basically I was sold by, by my friend on the idea that it could be more of like a sixty forty. It could be. It could be a 50-50. Uh, I mean, it could just be like, hey, we're not going to work anybody back-to-back. Uh, that, that's the thing. I mean, and, actually, they did They did work Kimbrel back-to-back this uh, weekend, Saturday and Sunday. So there goes that. Okay. So, I mean, I still feel like it's going to be Hendricks. He's the guy they paid. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, they paid Nick Madrigal and Cody Hoyer for Kimbrel, though. So they didn't, they didn't sign his contract, but they paid. Yeah, that's fair. Uh so how's this hit your ear? We have Steamer, seven saves for Hendricks, five for Kimbrel. And I, actually, I don't know how updated those are, to be honest. But I imagine they did a run-through this weekend, yeah? I would hope. <laughs> yeah, so um, that, that's where they're at. Let me pull up, like, a Ryan Presley and see, like, somebody who's locked in on a good team, see what his projection is. He's got nine. So maybe they didn't update it yet. Yeah, then. yeah my guess is... You're looking at probably like, you know, if we just say like there's 10 remaining, well, it's going to be more than 10 remaining saves. It's going to be like, like 14, um, right? I would think. Yeah. Like so let's say there's, one. yeah, let's say there's 15. I'm going to say Hendricks gets 10 of them. Kimbrell gets five. Okay. So then the question is, you know, was there anywhere that you were considering cutting Kimbrell? Because you got no, him everywhere. I don't think he's 10, right? Kimbrell has been the second best reliever in turn in fantasy dollars earned this season. You missed my joke, though. I did not. Oh, you steamrolled no, no. it then. Oh, yeah, it's a steamroll. I did. What was the joke? Okay. I'm sorry. Oh, no, you I, you did miss it. Okay, I, I say, I thought you just ignored it, which would have been a power move. I said, well, because you have to make that decision because you've got Kimbrell yeah, everywhere because he was a top 10 closer for so you. So much. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I do have Kimbrell in a lot of places. Um, but not everywhere. Not not in any of my like, major money leagues because somebody... <laughs> Some dweeb Just, you know, really, you really showed me the light of what it's like to oh, not trust myself. I, you know, I, I may not win by... a lot of money because of it, but I'll, I'll get something a little bit more valuable, which is my own self confidence back. 
There you go. There you go. And that that is so priceless. Um, you know, I, I, I definitely stand by the idea that I had concerns about him, but I was wrong. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna stand by the full analysis, especially what you had said about like if you you know if you kind of lop off the first four outings there, which you know you know I'm always game logging, so you know you use my own thing against me, and I still poo pooed it um, because from those first four outings on last year, Kimbrel was a god, and uh, and then he's he's been a god this year, so. Again, I'm sorry. You were correct. I was devastatingly wrong. My, uh, my wife how- likes to make jokes about how you're my my podcast wife and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and when she says I'm wrong, there is like this sense of satisfaction I get because she doesn't say it very often. Mm-hmm. Um, yet you mean I, you're right when she says you're right. No, no. When she says she's oh, wrong. She oh, oh, you know, you said when she says you're wrong. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. When she when she's wrong. When she admits yes. to being wrong, like, I get this like sense of satisfaction. That I don't get with you. That that's the difference between the actual, you know, actual wife you and the podcast I'm wife. Wrong? Um, or because we're not actually married. No, just because you don't like to admit that you're wrong. I mean, just like my wife. I'm not, I'm not often wrong. See, and this is exactly what my wife would say. <laughs> what? That's the truth. There's a reason that we get along so well, her and I. Jeez, we're not wrong very often. My God. All right, let's move on. Jeez, cry about Craig Kimbrell. Why don't you? All right, the new closers. They're, they're an interesting group. Uh, I already know who you prefer because he was he was one of your biggest pickups. But um, let's let's talk about them. Let's start. Let, we can start with your guy. Let's move. Let's move your guy well, up to the that's top. not my favorite guy. Oh, oh, well, he was he's just most... the guy I got the most okay, this well, week. My favorite guy is the guy you have at the top of the list, which is Kyle Finnegan. Let's talk Kyle Finnegan then in Washington. He now he had converted a save before. Even Hudson was gone yet, mm-hmm. and then he converted another one this weekend, I believe. So he was kind of like the, the main go-to for folks. Uh, he so got you a, he got a win this weekend. Oh, okay, a win. So, but you see him as as the go-to? I think so. I mean, because you know, right before they traded uh, Hudson, after they traded Hand, they had a doubleheader, and mm-hmm. they those were both really close games. The top half of the doubleheader, Finnegan gets a save. The bottom half of the doubleheader, uh, Tanner Rainey just destroys uh patrick corbin's victory which yes uh and, we watch them together and we watch this together uh uh during our stream uh our, our stream on uh discord um which i i screamed and cried and uh and everything you got so screwed dude. I, I was, was, oh, I was, was so upset brutal man just unbelievably brutal uh and then promptly dropped corbin uh this week and you're in, done in multiple you're weeks. out I just i don't I, blame you I, I mean, they, if they can't protect wins, what's the point of even having him? I mean, exactly. I should have dropped him a while ago. But anyways, uh, they've also demoted uh, Rainey as well. Um, as they should. I mean, yeah, he was brutal before that, but that was just a microcosm of, of how much he doesn't have it right now. Yeah. And I mean, there's just nobody on this team that I feel like I can look at and go, well, he, here's the clear guy to take over for Kyle Finnegan. I think it's Finnegan yeah. right now. And I feel like of all these situations we're going to talk about, there's at least one or maybe two other guys that we go, well, it could end up being this guy. And so yep. uh, I think Finnegan is the clear answer in Washington. And I know they traded away a bunch of guys. They're going to win some games, though. Um, sure. So I... Uh, 
I like Finnegan the best, and I think he's he's the guy that I would be pushing my chips in on if I needed to do that in the saves department right now. Yeah, so like I said, even before the deadline is when he had gotten the two saves, and then he got the win over this weekend. So you know he's been in the mix, and you know if you just kind of look at at where he's been since he came back, Kyle Finnegan, because he he missed some time. I don't know if he was demoted or if it was injuries. It was 15 days, so I. It seems like injury kind of fits perfectly that he missed exactly 15 days. He came back on July 6th. He's only given up runs once. It was a two-run outing against San Diego where he did get walloped a little bit, four hits. But he has a 142 ERA, 10 strikeouts in 12 and two-thirds in that time, and a sub-one whip for Kyle Finnegan. So the market agrees with you. He was the most sought after uh, as far as NFBC goes and everything. So he he is the guy um, on a team that's like it, they're not good. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pretend that, especially losing two of their best players. But I think they're gonna win probably more games than any of these other teams we're gonna talk about, and that's that's mm-hmm. key too. But let's talk about the next guy, David Bednar, who we have been talking about multiple times. The main reason I want to get back to him though is obviously because now Rich Rod is indeed gone. And by by the way, they ran that up to the wire. It was looking like for a while like. Oh, Rich Rod's actually not going to get dealt? Are you kidding me? And then it was one of those that we got the the confirmation after the deadline, even though it was it has to be to the commissioner's office by 4, but it doesn't have to be out to the public mm-hmm. by 4 Eastern. So then he gets traded to Atlanta. And uh, we still like Bednar. I still like Bednar. I don't know if you've changed it all. But he blew a save in the 8th, and Chris Stratton pitched the ninth. Speaking of guys that uh, that yeah. you're a big fan of, uh, are, are you concerned, or is it just the, the first outing, and we don't want to freak out too much? I feel like this is going to be a fluid situation that's going to uh, piss us off. Honestly, I, I don't. I don't like that. I, uh, I, I don't like that at all. And I think Chris Stratton could end up being the guy that gets uh, a good amount of the save chances the rest of the way. Now, the thing of it is, though, is Bedner was the setup guy for like most of this year, including. All of July, he mm-hmm. pitched all eighth innings, um, except for one game that he finished. It was a it was a four run loss uh, where he, he pitched the ninth. But it could be one of those things where it's like the the stupid arb stuff that we talk about. And I I thought he could avoid it. Bedner could because he's he's twenty six and like and they're do they, not, they're in Pittsburgh, so not going to rack up a bunch of saves anyways. Yeah, but they do have him through twenty twenty six. Mm-hmm. with arb and whatnot and they might be trying to protect them because our arbitration is outdated folks rbis and saves and like baseball card stats they they drive a lot unfortunately meanwhile stratton i believe is like 30 31 mm-hmm. and i wonder if they might just keep him in his role and let stupid chris stratton do it no offense chris stratton but you're stupid stop don't don't be closing don't do that I, 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 I feel like I need to get Kenny to change the Chris Stratton shirt from, like, remember when Justin Mason said Chris Stratton was an ace to remember when Justin uh, Mason said Chris Stratton was a relief ace. Yeah. Because uh, I, I will buy that shirt, too. Or no, uh, no, no. Keep it the same and then have a dot, dot, dot. And then on the back it says he meant relief ace. Yeah. Oh, there we go. See? Um, yeah, I think that this is this feels like it's going to be a fluid situation. I think even like Chase and Shreve could get uh, that, that grosses me out. I mean, he's a lefty, so he could do the matchups. He won't get a ton just because he's really the only lefty in that bullpen. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I know they get Anthony Banda, but he's he's going to be more of a 
lower leverage, uh, kind of mobile multiple yeah. inning type guy. Yeah, I agree with you. So, um, I, I am going to disagree though. On, on I, I think Bednar's going to take it. Uh, maybe I'm just wish casting. I think you're wish casting here. But the reason the reason I don't think I'm just wish casting is because Stratton was nowhere near the ninth throughout the bulk of this year. In fact, the last couple months he's been the fifth, sixth inning guy, multi inning guy. I just don't think that he leapfrogs into the ninth. I think he I think he comes in in kind of the most perilous situations, or at least that's what he has been doing. Where he's coming in the high leverage, you know, hey, we need to we need to shut them down right here, and he can go, you know two innings and go one and a third and go one, one and two thirds type guy. But I also think that that means he's, he's going to sometimes, you know, if, if that spots in the ninth, that's when he's coming in. Or if it's in the eighth, maybe he sticks around for two innings. I mean, he's going to get some, I I think, uh, like I said, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be split between the two. Gross. Unfortunately, I think this other one is going to be split too. And it looked like it could be a, a solo guy situation, but I'm gonna, we're going to talk about this because it actually might not be split based on the manager. It's the Marlins situation with Anthony Bender and Dylan Floro. And a lot of folks are still on the Bender train. And they're I am as well. What? Yeah, they're, they're, they're on, on a the, bender. Everyone's on a Bender right now. And, and hopefully it doesn't end how most Benders do. Mattingly doesn't do multiple, doesn't go for multiple guys, though. When he has, he wants to push a button. And Craig Mish. Uh, you know the the go to on Marlins like I don't I don't care what Billy the Marlin says in, more so than I care what Craig Mish says I barely care more what Mattingly himself says more than Craig Mish Craig Mish is so dialed in he knows yeah. what's up there so he's he thinks he's still confident in Bender and he's confident that it won't be a mix and match situation based on Mattingly's history that that's what I went with but that's how I proceeded forward i was already in on bender in a couple leagues and i continued to put the bids there this week he only pitched once during the weekend and it was a one out in the fifth inning i i don't know your guess is as good as mine on that one and then yesterday um i believe bass blew the game and then i want to say floro pitched pardon me let me get it he finished the game but he gave up an unearned run um, and he continued to blow the game. So I think Bass fully blew it, and then – or no, Blyer ended up – Bass, Blyer, and Floro all blew it together, basically. <laughs> they ruined Sandy Alcantara's win. But Floro did finish that game. Are you are you moved by that, or are you, sta- are you staying on a bender? I know you're sober, but are you staying on a bender here? I think they're going to try and give Bass a shot here. Shut up. Not even Floro? I think I think I don't know that Bass is going to be able to keep it. I think Floro is probably next man up. Um, so after no Bender that. at all. I I I I mean, here's what I did this week. I put like seven dollars on all three of them. Yeah. And then whichever one I got is which one I've gotten taking the gamble. I I don't know. I don't think anybody knows. I, I don't know the Marlins though. I think. I mean, we but don't they they know, paid Bass in the off season and they didn't pay him so much that like he has to get it, but. They gave him, you know, money, um, and they have him. <laughs> I think they give all their players money. Yeah, they, you know, he's getting paid $3 million next year. They have a club option for 2023. I think they'd like to try to see if they can get him back into kind of a, a good spot so that way he could be their closer next year. Uh, oh, that's so gross. Um, I don't know that it's going to work because it, it feels like he's really good until there's pressure on him. 
and then he just falls apart, uh, which is weird because, I mean, he was so good in Toronto. But um, I, I think Floro is the one who ends up kind of winning out of these three. But honestly, it could be any of them. Damn. Now, Bender does have the same sort of um, Bednar concerns with regards to being the youngest of the bunch. And they might not want to run up some saves for Arb, which, again, is the stupidest thing ever that we have to consider that. But we do. Um, he did get a save earlier in the month. I remember when Yimmy was fatigued, I believe. And then he he was in to finish the following game, but he blew that save and then won it. Uh, or no, not the following game, his next appearance, which was two two days later. I'm, I'm a I mean, and, and this may be foolhardy of me. I, I'm a little bit less worried about the ARB stuff this year than previous years because there's going to be a new CBA, and some of that stuff could change. Well, he won't be ARB next year, though, anyway. But I just mean in general, like, that entering into my equation. That Okay, that I, that's fair, too, because that there is who the, knows the what, Yeah, who yeah, knows yeah. what's going to happen with how arbitration is structured and work moving on in the future. Because we know the players would like to change how it works. God, it'd be so nice if they changed it. Uh-huh. Because stuff like that, that encourages not deploying your players in the best way, angers me so much. And it angers the players. They, they The players hate it because that's why they don't get extra years of service time because they're head down in the minors. And so, I mean, that a lot of that stuff could change. And I think the teams know that some of that stuff might change. So I don't know that the teams are going to leverage that stuff quite as much the rest of this year as maybe they would in previous seasons. That mm-hmm. being said, I still think this is kind of a little bit of a mess and I don't know what to make of it. And so I'd rather kind of throw my darts on situations that I feel a little bit more comfortable. We have a better idea of what the answer is. Yeah. I mean, Oh God, it's just so annoying. Bender's so fun to watch. He's, you know, got 48 strikeouts in 37 innings. I still went for him, you know. Um, I did have some some conditionals on Floro just in case. I didn't really consider that. If you're a person that likes to bet on the talent, then Bender's the guy you bet on. Um, Yeah. I tend to, in these kind of muddled situations, bet on what the organization wants to do or would like to see happen. I I agree with the mantra that, uh, you know, Baseball HQ – Mostly pioneered, you know, bet on bet on skills, not roles. But when it comes to closer, you kind of have to bet on the role. That's fair. Uh, because it, we've seen because of the stupid arm stuff that 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 the talent doesn't always win out. And and we've also with the way bullpens have evolved, we've realized that the closer isn't necessarily the best reliever anymore. Anyway, back in yeah, the day, but... you could really do the bet on skills, not roles, because teams were really looking to put their best guy in the ninth, and that's it. But now. We talk firemen and stuff. A key fireman can be much more important. It can be much better than your best reliever. Like, I don't think San Diego uses their best reliever as closer. Absolutely I, not. I don't, I don't think it's Mark Melanson. No. He's capable. He's, He's good. Probably their third best. But yeah, I would I, like Pomeranz, um, Pagan when he's not giving up Hudson homers. now. Yeah. Austin Adams, Daniel Hudson's there. So yeah. Um, I agree there, but let's let's keep moving on. Then let's go to Arizona's situation. Um, after not getting a save for like 17 months, uh, Soria, he, he seriously didn't get one for like an entire month. He was racking them up this month, but of course he got traded because he's like 38, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, no, 37 years old. And so, yeah, he got he got six just this month. He didn't have a single save all year, then then rips off six this month. And that's with a blown one. He could he could have gotten seven. Um, so the, he leaves he leaves that place a mess. I mean, it was a mess when he was there, but he leaves that place a mess. Most folks believe that it's Clippard unchallenged. Do you agree? Tyler Clippard unchallenged. Um, At least for the first shot, not that he would be yeah, able to continue I, to flop. I, I think, yeah, I think for the first shot, um, it is him. Because we uh, didn't even put CL next to anybody else in that bullpen for roster. I, I say we, Jason Martinez is the one doing the excellent work, and John Becker, yeah. they didn't put CL next to anybody else. So they, and whereas on Miami, they did it for four guys, and, you know, all, we've seen that before. They just put Clippard. So do you, yeah, you, do you, I, I think you it's Clippard as long as he can be somewhat effective. I think that he'll be the guy. Uh, I mean, I think Stefan Crichton, if he can ever figure things out, uh, the manager there really likes him and would what like. About, uh, what about the guy who was in the um, Zach Greinke trade as a starter, but it's JB not really Bukakis. working? JB Bukowskis, yeah. Bukowskis, Bukowskis, but. Uh, Bukaki? I'm leaving that in. Um, yeah, I think he he's the most talented reliever in that bullpen, um, and I really in, like inconsistent him. Inconsistent though, like when he when he doesn't have it, when his command is gone, trounced. it's gone. Yeah, um, but like he has really uh, you know good stuff. Um, mm-hmm. He's got three legit pitches. Uh, he can keep uh, hitters off balance. His problem is he loses uh, command within the zone, uh, and that leads to home runs. Yes, um, and so, which is the last thing you can do as a closer. Exactly, like, that's the quickest way to lose a closer role. That's why, by the way, I never believed Emilio Pagan would get the job in San Diego mm-hmm. because he's so, a home run machine. I, I think it's Clippard uh, okay. for now, at least. Um, and you didn't spec on anybody else because, like, no, it's I just, not that great of a role anyway. It's not Jacob uh, Faria. It's not, like, like there, there's not much in that bullpen left anyways. No. Uh, so, I uh, still want uh, – and I know they had cut him, but they brought him back. I still want John Duplantier to get, get an opportunity. He's He's got swag, like, off-the-chart swag, just the way he is, like – He's a big dude, 6'4", 229, wears those cool, like, sport goggle glasses type deal. I think he has high socks as well. Like, he's got closer swag, but he doesn't have closer talent right now. Mm-hmm. But I would like to see if he could do something. Maybe they just give up starting with him and uh, give him a shot in the bullpen. I wonder if he could find find himself there. He's still only 26 years old. And like I said, they had cut him. Um, they re-signed some, him. Yeah, but for some structural stuff, and then they mm-hmm. brought him back. Yeah, so I, I mean, they not, were still not, not, trying not, to start him. Yeah, exactly. I'm not mind. saying to speculate on him, by the way. I just want to be clear. I, that's just a pipe dream down the line, personally. Yeah, I, I think he's... Uh, I think he'd be an interesting guy. Um, he doesn't have, like, an overpowering fastball. True. Which is something you usually look for. I, I think he ends up being more of a back-end starter or, or a long man or something like that. Uh, yeah, I mean, he throws like ninety two. Yeah, and it's it's size, not even size does not guarantee velo, and it's not even like good movement with that. So no, no. So okay, that's Arizona. Let's get to the other Tyler, the one you did end up with the most, although he's not your favorite. That's in in Minnesota, Tyler Duffy. Um, we knew that there would be a mass exodus there, but one guy was remaining. There is one guy that that has a lot of closer experience, but going back to our, it's so bad though. It's just been yeah, so bad. Our, our, our convo from seconds ago about home runs. 
Alex Colomay loves giving up homers. So um, the, the market was on Tyler Duffy. It looks like you went there as well. Talk to us about what you think Duffy can do, and can he hold that job and stave off any sort of Alex Colomay push? Uh, I mean, I think he can hold off Alex Colomay um, because I mean, I could probably hold off Alex Colomay <laughs> Uh, with the way he's been pitching this year, which is sad yeah. for me because I mean I I like Alex Colomay quite a bit. He's a good pitcher. For, I mean, for a long he's having time. a tough year, but he's he's been like he was excellent last year mm-hmm. and the year before. Like he was a, he was amazing with the White Sox, very quietly. Like he didn't get many strikeouts. He was he was one of the most consistently underrated relievers in baseball for years. Correct, correct. Like, one of those back end guys that nobody had any because of his strikeouts. Nobody had any confidence that he could keep mm-hmm. the job, and he never. Well, really and the had underlying skills were just like this is a ticking time bomb, like waiting to happen, and it just never, exactly. it never happened uh, until this year, until this season. And I'm sure there are people out there. I told you, no, no, I mean, just, no, 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 you don't get, you um, don't get uh, thirty. This is the Chris injury argument. Um, thirty, yeah, and then twelve saves, and then get to say I told you so. But what I mean, what Tyler Duffy. Uh, and he hasn't been like as good as he's been in in recent seasons uh, because the walk rate uh, has gone up uh, quite a bit. But he does not allow home runs. He does the exact opposite of what Colomay does. Uh, and that's a change from earlier mm-hmm. in his career when Duffy was a home run problem. But like you said, he has tightened it up since last year's yeah. breakout. And he's sub one now, which is great. Yeah, he's only given up three home runs this year. He's got a 28% fly ball percentage. He gets around a fifty percent ground ball percentage uh, over you know uh, over the course of the last two seasons, um, and I just think that there's not much else here. I mean, I'm sure they would love to get Colome right and let him become the guy, so that they could try to flip him maybe in the off season or something like that. Mm-hmm. But right now, I'm betting on Tyler Duffy, and he he was my most picked up player this week, um, and so uh, and. It was largely because what my, my strategy this week was um, I'm going to kind of shotgun this, so I'm just going to kind of spray it far and wide and hope it hits you know, hits somewhere. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I have, like, six relievers in one of my main event teams right now. You're just trying to I'm spike just, something. Just hoping some I spike days. something, you know. I did the same thing in the tag team league, just hoping to spike something. Uh, and if I did, I'm, I'm going to be happy, and then I'll drop the other guys for, for starters to stream rest of the way. Mm-hmm. I like that. I, I think that was the approach this week. If you if you weren't going to go hard on Finnegan, who, like I said, was pretty much the market's favorite, um, then it was shotgun approach was the right way to go and not pay too much for anybody else and get pieces of multiple bullpens. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk Baltimore's bullpen. Uh, yes, we have to before you ask if we have to. Uh, because, we? you know, again, I mean, th- this this is the aftermath of a deadline, though. It's going to be the bad teams with you know that traded off their their decent relievers but Cole Solcer the reason he's kind of back in focus is because his is not this is not the same Cole Solcer last year who got five saves and was kind of like are we serious with this dude because no the answer was we are not serious with him he had a terrible year uh it ended up being a 556 ERA 150 whip this year it's 275 119 and his strikeout rate has jumped from 19 to 33 percent um, and he's got even got the walk rate down to at least a manageable 11%. That's still high, but he doesn't allow homers. Um, he's pretty tough to square up for base hits. So the walks are really the only issue that Solcer has. He's 31. He's got five more saves again this year. 
he kind of might be I, I didn't necessarily list these in any particular order, but he might be the second best, except for the fact that his team plays in such a devastating division. What do you think of Cole Solcer? I think he's really, really interesting. Um, I kind of overlooked him, uh, but he's been really, really good. Um, and uh, there's not much on, I, I know like on roster resource, we have like Dylan Tate and somebody else. I think Paul a fry, fry, the fry, yeah. Uh, but Solzer, I think he's probably the best of this bunch. Uh, he's doing a really good job at not allowing home runs, uh, only only allowing three so far in thirty nine innings. And he got Friday and Saturday saves. Yeah, he's getting a ton of strikeouts. Um, a pretty decent fly ball percentage, pretty decent ground ball percentage. Not giving up like a crap ton of hard contact or anything. Yeah, I. You know what? He's probably he's probably the guy moving forward here. Now that could change in an instant. It's Baltimore, sure, but... and I mean, you know, they get a a you know back to back series against the Yankees and the Red Sox, and all of a sudden they've had to change things around because everybody's got the crap kicked out of them. Yeah, uh, exactly. Uh, and who knows how many wins we even get from Baltimore rest of the way. True, but that's the case for pretty much all these teams. Yeah, a lot of these bad teams. You're just trying to get the scraps that you can get. If any of these guys are your primary closer, you're already in trouble anyway. Exactly. Uh, But yeah, I think he's interesting. I think I would probably put him over the Miami situation and probably over the Pittsburgh situation. Yeah, I think Solskjaer's the second guy here as far as pure talent. Um, if he was on, if he was on a little bit, if he was on one of those two teams, I would have liked him a lot better because mm-hmm. I think those, especially, um, I think, I, I just think the a, a, excuse me, the NL East is such a mess that even though those teams are better than Miami, they've got good starting pitching, and so they kind of keep. Oh, what do we got? Josh Hader to the IL with COVID. Oh God, timely because we're talking so much. closing stuff. So let's go get Devin Williams. I guess. Is 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 that where we're going? Yeah, because he's back, right? Yeah. From injury mm-hmm. um he's also kind of back pitching wise no no he's he's hurt no definitely i'm not i'm not showing him where is he, he he's, oh no he's there he's a very he's he the was very activated top on sorry. the 27th sorry yeah. about that uh dogs are going crazy char has josh Hader on all her mm-hmm. rosters yeah dev's back but he's also kind of back performance wise he started off horribly this year uh but he's kind of gotten back on track I know we list Brad Boxberger and uh, Brett Suter as, as closers as well. They're multi-inning guys. I think I think, I think it's, it's pretty easily. I think it's Williams pretty easily. If you're in a fastest finger type, yeah. league, go grab grab him real quick. Uh, hopefully, this you know we we haven't gotten any word like is this a you know precautionary thing? It, you know, did he Was just, just expose or, or, or did he test positive? Uh, so, I mean, we don't want to overreact or anything. Um, but, yeah, go get Devin Williams if he's available. He's, you know, after kind of a weird start to his season, he's been tough. really, really good um, again. So, yep. uh, you know, the walks, are, the walks are higher than they were last year. But everything else is kind of just in line with what he was, which is a really high strikeout guy that doesn't give up home runs. Uh, super hard to hit, so... You know, just a little bit of an arbitrary cutoff, just kind of looking at June and July and his and his first outing in August here. So since June 1st, 106 ERA. Um, let's see here. That's going to be a 118 whip because the walks are a little high, like you mentioned, at a, at a 13% clip. But does a 
41% strikeout rate do anything for you? Oh, wait, say that again. I'm sorry. He has a 41% strikeout rate in his last 17 innings. Devin Williams does. So in terms of getting back on track, yes, the walks are high, like you said, but you got to love that strikeout yeah, rate I for mean, him. So. He's just one of those – I mean, he's one of those guys I, I've rostered him all year in tout. Um, oh, is it too late for me to put him in my lineup in tout? Oh, wait. I already did. Well, does it lock the whole lineup? It locks the whole lineup once the first game starts. Okay. I'm pretty then, sure. Yeah, that yeah. early games. Oh, I, I have him in my lineup. Okay, so that worked out anyways. All right, I'm adding this to the list so that I timestamp it. And then let's talk about our last guy here in Texas, Spencer Patton. And there's a little bit of a trend here. Now, we've talked about a couple guys in Bedner and Bender, who happen to have similar names to make it confusing, that are like the, the younger guys. But a lot of these guys that are filling in are older. So just because they're not known doesn't mean that they're young. Like we mentioned that with Yadiel Hernandez. You might not have known much about him, but my dude is 34. Spencer Patton is a 33-year-old, but he's having a hell of a season. 19 innings so far, 332 ERA, 121 whip, and 26 strikeouts against seven walks in that time. How'd Spencer Patton hit your ear as far as uh, the Texas closer? It's funny because when I was like doing the research after all the trades were made and stuff like that, uh, I was, you know, I was like, well, I guess it's spores, right? Or, yeah, that's what everyone thought. Um, and then, uh, uh, you know, thankfully, like one of the things you learn when you, you kind of do this work is how good other people are at certain aspects of this kind of work. Mm-hmm. And there are people in this industry who are just super, super locked in on closer stuff. Yes, um, and they're so good at it. Yeah, one of them is Greg Jewett. Um, oh my God, he's he's amazing. And if you're not following Greg Jewett on uh, on Twitter or his work over at the Athletic or at uh, Fantasy Alarm, or he he has he has a closer chart on Google Sheets, so you don't have to subscribe for it or anything like that. He does have a Substack that he does. Uh, that's free that I recommend people subscribe to. Um, but he's just super locked in. And he had Spencer Patton listed like right after the trade. Boom. And I went, huh, I, I think I need to go dig in on Spencer Patton. And, and when you do, you go 33% strikeout rate, um, you know, a 9% walk rate. Uh, he's only given up two home runs so far in 19 innings. And I'm like, I've, don't even know who this guy is and here like, he is you know because he was thing. in japan previously oh, to this okay. season I, I didn't even notice that when i when i was doing my research on him so i, I did faulty research yeah so or, did, did he do well over there i have no idea <laughs> but <laughs> i was like well I this makes sense that's why i don't know who this guy is yeah he's um, been in the majors previously but it was back in 2016 i was like you know who i confused him with do you remember troy Patton? mm-hmm the, the, yeah, the uh, the Houston prospect who they eventually traded before he came to fruition uh, to Baltimore. And, of course, they didn't develop him because, I mean, it's a pitcher, so obviously. But um, he was in the Miguel Tejada deal. Um, basically, to get Miguel Tejada, he was part of, like, a poo-poo platter that they dealt over there. But, yeah, that's who I thought of first, especially because I saw that he was old. But, no, Spencer Patton is his own guy, but he appeared last in the majors in 2016 it never really did anything in those small samples with the Cubs. And then Texas. It was Texas beforehand as well. But then this time around, uh, he's back with them and doing pretty well, Spencer Patton is. So he's kind of interesting, too. And, again, they're not going to win a ton of games. But because I think he's kind of locked, 
I think I might be putting him third behind Finnegan and Solser. Yeah, I think uh, I think he he was right there. He was like my most picked up guy other than Duffy. Um, I got I got a fair I got a fair amount of uh, him on a, a number of teams now. Uh, so you know I just think he's kind of like you look at the rest of his bullpen and you go, this is kind of gross. Yeah, um, it really is. And he's been easily kind of the best of that bunch. Uh, and so I think that there's a real chance he can kind of hold down that job, especially because there's no one like all their guys on the IL. I don't think any of them coming back this year. So uh, and Joe Barlow's not the guy. Brett Martin's the only lefty in the bullpen spores. They tried to give him a shot when Kennedy was hurt. Uh, and mm-hmm. that didn't go well. So Gerald Cotton's not a closer. Dennis Santana's not a closer. So um, yeah, I, th- I think it, I think it is him. I think he's one of the more locked in guys. I actually think he might be the number two guy on this list. Behind oh, even ahead Finnegan. of Solcer. Yeah, I think that's fair because um, the easier easier division, not an easy division, but easier. Well, and because like Fry has been the lefty getting saved sometimes. And, True. Uh, you know, they've even tried to rotate Dylan Tate in there a little bit. So I just think that there's no competition really in Texas, at least right now, um, as long as, as long as, uh, Spencer Patton can be the guy or that do, is, him do a job. Th- those are completely fair points there. Um, all right. Finishing up free agent pickup of the week. Uh, we talked about all the closers. I wanted to put them separately, uh, but I want to talk a little bit about the Eloy Jimenez bid extravaganza. And I want to get your thoughts on something. Obviously, it's too late to change it now, so I just want to see where you come out. You you got say you got my team. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm first or second, depending on when you look in my league. Like we changed hands literally 20 times this week. It was like hour to hour, at bat to at bat. That's how tight first and second is in my league. I'm top 30, I believe, in the overall. But I want to win this league. That's what I'm really really focused on right now because that's where. I can really make a move. I have $317. Mm-hmm. I had some folks ahead of me, mm-hmm. um, and they were all like, they were third, fifth, and sixth place, I believe, were the folks ahead of me in money. I had an obvious cut for him. How much would you have put on, on him, uh, on Eloy Jimenez? How much fab does the person uh, that you're battling back and forth with have? Um, they had, they didn't have as much and now they only have $75. So it wasn't, I wasn't, first place was not a concern for okay, me. It was, okay. Um, they, they, they went, they went shopping that they didn't have that much cause they did buy one, two, three, four, five guys this week, but their most expensive was 31 bucks. Okay. So they were already cheap. They were already low on dollars. I'm... It was mostly the guys chasing me that, that had more money than me. I probably would have put 250. Okay, so you would have gotten him, and there was some, you know, there were some recommendations from some friends in the industry to go about that high, and I put two hundred one, and I could live to regret it for sure. I'll tell you why I didn't go the the extra there. He went for two thirty eight, by the way, to Rob DiPietro, was one of those guys that's right behind me, has the big bucks. I could have beat him out, and then I would have had you know, seventy bucks left. The fact that he wasn't playing this weekend is what peeled me back. Hmm, that's fair. And I'm like, well, what if I'm going to buy a guy who's just going to go right back on the IL? And 
even though he is a superstar level talent, they can afford to play it soft with or to play it slow with him. And they, and, they and, probably will because they've got a lead in the division. And this is free money. They never mm-hmm. expected him. He wasn't even necessarily supposed to come back. The reason he's he was cut in the leagues where he was drafted was because we were told he's done for the year. Mm-hmm. Here's so my counter. Yeah, let's it. hear it. Because I know, I know I'm not necessarily – I don't think there's a right wrong, but I'm open to your thoughts. You're not going to find anything close to this level Co- of correct. talent coming That's into fair. the league at this point. That's what Dusty told me too. And I think you, uh, you you can survive with seventy bucks the rest of the way. Um, but I mean, unless you have a glaring weakness somewhere that you really needed to spend the money, like saves, like this week, if you needed saves, like this, you know, then you yeah. pony up, right? In in you know, one of the leagues I'm in, the, the tag team league, like our our biggest way to catch up and get back in it is through saves. And so we spent $200 this week going after Got saves. Got to do it. Um, and I feel like unless you have a glaring weakness, which I'm assuming you probably don't, it's just a first place team anyways, just had talent. And the best piece of talent you're going to get is that is spending 250 on, on Eloy. Yeah. Yeah. Far and away. I, again, I, I could, I could live to regret it to the point where I not only don't win the league, but the guy who bought him, Rob DiPietro passes me. And that would be devastating, obviously. Mm-hmm. But um, that's where I was, and uh, you know that, that's that's kind of how how it, it shook out there. You know, I, I have a good outfield, but I'm not going to suggest that I couldn't have fit him in. I have Canha, who's actually been struggling since returning. Rosarena, Carlson, Avi Garcia, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., and then Lamont Wade Jr. in Util. All good, but not like Eloy doesn't yeah. push one of those guys out, right? Like those are all good 15 team outfielders but i'm not so locked in that i couldn't have fit him in i just was concerned about the hamstring fair it's i mean it's a fair concern but i think yeah i I would have done the 250 fair enough fair enough i totally understand that um you were keyed in on a guy uh on the non-pitching realm who again we did not expect back this year and all of a sudden he's back and playing Who, who was your waiver pickup to key in on yeah i got a few added shares of carson kelly uh, catcher has just been an absolute nightmare. And, and like I said, like this is not like even just the first injury Carson Kelly had this no, season. No, it's his second. That, you know, he had the broken toe that he came back from super quickly. And now he had the broken wrist that he's come back from quicker than we thought. Uh, I mean, he has been good when he's been in the lineup. Uh, this dude got adamantium in his bones. Yeah, like we have to wonder, is he Wolverine? He might freaking be, dude. So yeah, I ended up grabbing Carson Kelly for ten bucks in my main event uh, as my second catcher. So I'm uh, I was pretty stoked on on that pickup, and uh, I think that he's still available in a lot of leagues for people to kind of uh, to kind of go grab right now. Um, if you're hurting catcher, and you know most people in two catcher leagues and a lot of people in one catcher leagues are hurting for catchers oh, yeah, right now. For it's sure, just, it's been a nightmare. It, it, it truly has. So, um, yeah, like I, I didn't even realize like he wasn't available in my main or anything. So, cause I could have cut Tom Murphy for him and I absolutely would have, and I would have put a pretty decent penny on him, but, um, he was available in a couple of 12 teams. He still is in one of them. And I'm going to be putting in a bid for him this upcoming week because Carson Kelly, as you mentioned, he's been great when playing, like not just, not just solid, like 250, 383, 442 with eight homers in 196 plate appearances at catcher and he's back he's their future guy they're gonna go hard on him so um 
Yeah, good pickup. Well done there. I like that a lot. Thanks. I liked it as well. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up. Our, our big uh, closer extravaganza. Ooh, nice catch. You'll see it here in a second. Um, anything else you got? Are we good? No. I mean, this has been an interesting game that we've been watching just it real really quick. Uh, especially because um, they uh, the, the Cleveland brought in Karinchek in like the seventh. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I think that that situation is going to just be kind of all over the place the rest of the way. Romano in right now in the ninth. I don't I don't think Brad Hand's pitched yet. So no, he has not. He pitched so. his ass off too, um, and then Gritchick made a nice play for him. Eli Morgan really settled down, and um, you know I mentioned earlier how they were highlighting how his second time through can be problematic, and he gives up the homer, and then the one that I thought was another homer, and then another hard hit ball, and it's like oh boy, but he got through six. He looks strong. He's got some swing and miss stuff. Eli Morgan's intriguing, and you know how we feel about Cleveland pitchers as a general rule. Um, another one of my friends in the industry, Greg, was was really keen on him, saying that he's somebody he's been keeping an eye on. It's that second time through, though. 513 OPS first time, 1452 the second time. Does he just tell you the pitch the second time? I think so. I think hey, I'm going to throw you the same stuff I did last time, okay? You ready? Are you, are you, do you want, oh, you want to step out? Okay, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it. It's going to be a fastball, middle in. <laughs> like I wonder if it's just a, some bad sequencing. Like, it has to be because that's, that's devastatingly bad. Yeah. But anyway, um, all right, I will talk to you on Friday. All right, take it easy. celebrating but apparently there's a holiday canada day no that's that's um july 1st um boxing day i don't think that's That's now i I tried to google it that's in october it didn't it didn't turn up anything so i don't know what is today today's august 2nd because jen was supposed to have a meeting with somebody and they're canadian and they're off in the canada area and then i assume that's why there's a day game on a random monday so, I don't know. Uh, today don't is know. just a civic holiday. Oh, okay. Dweebs. Um, I don't know what that means. Yeah, apparently it's enough to have an early baseball game. Uh, civic holiday. Okay. Civic holiday is, is celebrated in most of Canada's public holiday. Um, celebrated as Heritage Day in Nova Scotia. Okay. It's, so just a, it's just a federal holiday. Cool. Well, good. Good for them. Good for Jen's coworkers who get to uh, chill. Yeah, I guess. The random know, just fuckers. holiday. Yeah, just, just a nice little extra Monday off. I'll take it. Yeah, I, mean, I, I didn't get it, but I would take it. Yeah. Can I? Can I observe it if I'm <laughs> yeah. partially Canadian? <laughs> are you? I'm not. No. But <laughs> oh, oh. Can we say we are? I yeah. used to, I used to live like 30 minutes from Mich- from Canada. <laughs> Canada? Pretty much Canadian. I've been to Canada. Yeah, I mean, I I went there multiple times, so I'm basically 
I'm freaking basically Canadian. I'm, I'm gonna keep this in. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> I was All telling right, someone the other day that uh, I oh. used to just put like random like uh, things at the back end of the French. You told me that. Oh, is it you? <laughs> it's hilarious. It's so funny. <laughs> I need to start doing that. Yeah, for the special people who listen all the way through, like that's. I'm gonna that's put. I'm so gonna put. Fun. I'm gonna put this on the end. See what happens. Okay. See what, see what people say. <laughs> yes. We love you, Canadians. Yes. Thanks oh, for listening. Very, Enjoy your holiday. Very pro Canada. Jealous of your holiday. Yeah. But hey. All right. Let's let's get right. started. Game time. <laughs>